Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the only podcast that breaks down hard-hitting dialogue such as, I have the strength of three men. Which three? Mo, Larry, and Curly? And sheesh, Joan is in fine form today. He must have eaten an extra kitten for breakfast. Here to break down those lines and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Oh, I'm not eating kittens for breakfast, but what a hilarious two lines you've chosen to open this podcast with James B. There, there are some great one-liners that happen in here. I did have a lot of wacky lines to choose from because we had a lot of wacky books. <laughs> First of those is from August of 1981. Stanley presents Marvel Team 108 featuring Spider-Man and Paladin in Something Wicked This Way Kills by Micheline, Trimp, and Esposito. Peter's teaching friends from Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man comic, failed to warn him that Coach Barnstorm has a star player that Peter is failing. To add to his troubles, Peter reads that Lance Bannon has been scooping front page photos as a killer is on the loose. Peter goes off his Spider-Man and runs into Gun for Hire Paladin, and the prerequisite hero fight happens with lots of bullets, which Eddie loves. <laughs> Spider-Man and Paladin hear a scream. <laughs> And Spider-Man takes the victim to a hospital in a scene photographed by Lance Bannon. Christine Michaels and Dr. Bradshaw explain that an experiment gone wrong caused her husband to absorb other people's life forces and she hired Paladin to nullify her husband before he hurts more people. While consoling Christine, Dr. Bradshaw is killed by a now jealous Thermo who battles the heroes outside Dazzler's dressing room. And this very substantial book ends with Spider-Man about to be drained. Notable moment, the backstory of the villain is revealed at dinner at the Gold Star Restaurant. Spider-Man is forced to web up a tie to meet the fancy dress code. It's been a while since I've enjoyed a web creation as much as that one, James. I mean, we noted the same thing in this book. He's at the restaurant, too. And you said it, Paladin is a hero for hire. He's like negotiating. A part of the dinner is his negotiation too. He is a scoplin veal. He's like, we can't go anywhere. I need my veal before I, I do this. And there's a there's one panel where he's like openly mocking Spider-Man for not charging people to save them. What a schmarmy dude. Ah, he's a G.I. Joe knockoff anyways for me. So <laughs> He looks like RoboCop. The, uh... <laughs> yes, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, this first book, I apologize for a Marvel team-up having so many words to it, because usually I can knock these things off a little quicker. But these first book or two is a two-parter with a, just a lot of depth to it. You know, so I, much story. But it does conclude in the next book, which is from September of 1981, Stanley Presents Marvel Team 109, featuring Spider-Man and Dazzler, in Critical Mass by Kraft, Tripp, and Esposito. Saved by Dazzler, the heroes end up in her apartment where an unmasked paladin lightly flirts and departs, leaving a weakened Spider-Man to rest. The next day, Spider-Man is fine, and he eats scrambled eggs with Dazzler <laughs> in her bathrobe. <laughs> it's implying that Dazzler's in her bathroom. They're not together. Oh, my. Meanwhile, Thermo finds a satanic mob, and after draining the life <laughs> of one member, assumes the rest of the members as his cult. On his command, they steal the machine that changed him. They kidnap Christine, and they take down Dazzler in her dressing room. Spidey sciences up the nullifier, making it better, and along with Paladin, assault Thermo's lair. After using Eddie Web boxing gloves <laughs> yeah. to punch Thermo without touching him, 
Dazzler and Paladin join the fray with lights and stun bullets. After lots of threats by Thermo to kill everyone and constant reminders that Paladin works for money and Spider-Man does not, the book finally ends with Thermo being nullified and he dies. A notable moment, Dazzler screams in terror when she sees a spider in her apartment but it's not a spider. It's just Spidey's dumb spider tracer, which Paladin had returned to him. Hey, uh, you know, Thermo Man doesn't just find a satanic mob. He finds a dude who's a fraud. He, this guy says, geez, what a crock. I can't even keep my mind on these phony incantations anymore. I started, <laughs> I started this gig as a lark. It was fun for a while, but there's just no way we're going to conjure up any more demon. Wait, no way. And then he sees Thermo Man, and a few panels later, he's like, he's a fruitcake, but he's a really powerful fruitcake. This just might be worth something. <laughs> so he's looking to profit from Thermo Man's ridiculousness uh, of showing up to spoil it. What did you think of these two books? Usually we don't do this in the middle, but what'd you think? Lots of story. Like you said, the first, uh, congratulations on summarizing because wow, lots of things happen. You know, I, I like Dazzler. I like, actually, I like Paladin kind of because he's a hero for hire and he's approaching the whole battle all throughout as something, you know, not the way Spider-Man would. He's like interested in saving himself and making sure he, he gets through everything. You know, when you said it, I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't realize this was the, a nullifier. We've seen a nullifier yeah. before. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Is this Doc Ock's nullifier? <laughs> they dig it out of a closet somewhere at Shield. Check it out there. Anything that can nullify an ability is called the nullifier. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> They're not that creative in naming things. <laughs> so do you want to hear the next book? Yeah, let's do it. This book's by itself. It's from October of 1981. Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 110, featuring Spider-Man and Iron Man in Magma Force by Micheline, Tripp, and Esposito. With Lance Bannon unavailable, Jonah reluctantly sends Peter to cover a public reveal of a new Stark Industries tremor-sensing device. Ironically, a tremor strikes, and the heroes must change into costume and save the attendees. Tracking the source, they confront Magma, who easily defeats the heroes. With a similar request as Dr. Evil from Austin Powers, he plans to destroy New York unless they give him 100 billion kajillion dollars. He reveals his good-to-evil backstory, and the unsupervised heroes escape. In the final battle, Magma pushes the destruction button, and Spider-Man basically saves the day, and the unstoppable Magma chooses to just fly himself into a volcano. Notable moment, the mayor thanks Spider-Man and Iron Man for saving the city. I doubt that makes the cover of the Daily Bugle. Wasn't it not too long ago, Jay Jonah was like saving Peter Parker from criminals? Oh, Jonah. Too many kittens for breakfast. Um, I, You know what I noticed? Spider-Man got gassed in this, James B. Did you notice that? I did notice that. <laughs> he gets knocked out by gas, which is a classic Spider-Man. But I learned something interesting about using gas as a weapon. Yes. Uh, I watched this show not too long ago on Netflix about like spy and spy agencies. And one reason they used gas was because gas is very difficult to detect once it's been used. And, like you have to be tested very quickly to figure out. And so I know in this instance, like magma is not... You know, trying not to be detected for gassing Spider-Man. But 
you know, criminal masterminds regularly. The kingpin, we know, out of his flower, gas yeah. Spider-Man many times. Well, like, this gives some more credence why they would use gas, because mm. they could murder someone, and they would not be held accountable for the murder. It'd be very hard to figure out who actually, you know, why the person actually died and who killed them. So, mm. gas. Well, Advo- let it be known, advocating that it's okay for gas in Spider-Man. That oh. doesn't happen too often, right? No. We're going to talk more about your opinions on gas a little bit later, so we'll get back to this, I promise you. But I have to continue on with another book, and this one here is, well, this is going to take us for a ride. Here we go. Uh, from November of 1981, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 111 featuring Spider-Man and Devil Slayer in Of Spiders and Serpents by DiMatteis, Chimp, and Esposito. Devil Slayer is a bloodthirsty hero with a teleporting cloak. He believes a lizard cult has captured the Defenders. That's the team with Doctor Strange and Hulk, right. Eddie. Yes, yes. And he saves Spider-Man when Spider-Man is attacked by the lizard cult as well. <laughs> Devil Slayer explains to Spider-Man that the cult cannot say a certain phrase. So when they impersonate humans, this is a test. Spider-Man retrieves a statue, and Devil Slayer brings him back to New York. Spider-Man realizes the Devil Slayer he has been with, who can teleport, and knows his identity, is a fraud. And Spider-Man manages to free the Defenders and the real Devil Slayer, but in the process, Spider-Man is fatally poisoned. Notable moment, the fake Devil Slayer teaches Spider-Man the real secret phrase, which Spider-Man needs to stop the fake Devil Slayer and the other bad guys. Kanama ka the Jirma. Are, are you still there, James B? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, you're not a lizard. Thank <laughs> goodness. Well, you're not a lizard because you can say it. I said it, right? That's how you know. If you can say it, I could be a lizard still. You cannot be. Oh, but he teaches goodness. them the phrase. He's like, read this phrase. And Spider-Man reads it. And then they're like, well, that's how I know you're really a, not I, a tell. Right? There were so many things that I was like, what? And then I flip, you know, to the next page and I'm like, wow, this is getting more wild. And then I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And the Defenders, too, are a ridiculous group of people. So many silly things happen. Uh, at the end of this book, though, Spider Man is feeling better. He's in the uh, Sanctum Santorum. Wait. Yep. Wait. Yeah, and uh, Wong is handing him a cup of tea, one of my favorite things in Spider-Man, and he knocks it over because Doctor Strange says, you're going to die before this day is through. So, Yeah, I like that that, that the poisoning he gets in this book leads to the next book. Yes. Good job. Like, and then even if even if it's not that important, you can always start the next book with like he was poisoned the previous issue. But... For so much storytelling, I do appreciate that they continue. We don't have to learn <laughs> an entire new race of lizards are actually huge problems for humanity <laughs> that we never even knew about thousands of years ago. Correct. Jeez. Well, Spider-Man is poisoned, so he's basically dead. Because uh, apparently there's no cure for this. <laughs> the end of Marvel team ups. That's all. <laughs> right. Well, let's see. Let's see if he dies in this book. From December of 1981, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 112, featuring Spider-Man and King Cull in A King Comes Riding by DiMatteis, Trimp, and Esposito. Yeah, Eddie, Spider-Man is poisoned, and like I said, there is no cure. Oh wait, the cure exists 
20,000 years in the past. So Spider-Man's spirit travels back in time and he hilariously jumps into a few people's bodies temporarily possessing them and along the way saving King Cull. Obligated, Cull goes to get the cure for Spider-Man from Julak the Shaman. Julak agrees to give the cure only if Cull can defeat him. Julak absorbs a reluctant Spider-Man and is about to kill Cull, but Spider-Man's spirit inside of Julak stops him. Cull takes advantage and turns the tide. A man of his word, Julak releases Spider-Man's spirit into Cull, who then drinks the cure, which cures Spider-Man, and Spidey's spirit heads back to the present, where Doctor Strange erases his memory. Notable moment, once cured, Spidey mentions going to the movies with Deb Whitman to see the historical sword and sorcery movie Excalibur, even though he knows that stuff is far-fetched. That uh, summary makes perfect sense, James, <laughs> of uh, what happened in this book. Too bad, like, a billion things happened in this book. It was so incredibly confusing. It's probably not a good sign when, you know, like, the things we talk about are the very last panel. Because we're like, okay, well, like, I, you know, I can know what, <laughs> what's going to happen in the future. Uh, here's the part that I thought wasn't too fanciful. Okay. All right. On page 20, the second to last panel is just a drawing of, like, <laughs> Doctor Strange's Sanctum Santorum brownstone from the outside. And it, it's, I looked for at least five or six minutes for any panel that didn't seem, you know, outrageous, but that's it. There's no other panel <laughs> in this book that doesn't have, like, a king from 20,000 years ago, Doctor Strange, you know, in astro form floating around or Spider-Man floating around. Uh, it is it is a wild trip to read through this book. So I, I'm very ready to move on to our last one. Wait, I just, second to last one today, James B. I just want to say, if Spider-Man does go to the movies with Deb Whitman, make sure that Biff Ripkin is not there because <laughs> the old Biffer might spoil the ending of the movie. Something to be aware of if you, <sighs> you had read the book, the Marvel... We did an Amazing Spider-Man last issue, That's but true. we didn't mention that Biff spoils the ending to the movie to Peter as well. So just wanted to squeeze that what in there. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah, he's a jerk. <laughs> hey, from January of 1982, Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 113 featuring Spider-Man and Quasar in the resurrection of Edward Lansky by Grunewald, Trimp, and Esposito. Uh, Eddie, a fun fact, I never liked Quasar. and Reading this was just like a job for me. Well, it's Spectacular Spider-Man, guys. I'm not even kidding, but it's in Marvel Team-Up. That's right. Quasar is transporting prisoner Nitro when he is drawn to Empire State University, where a Lightmaster captures him and then sends him to fight Spider-Man. Thus, we get the prerequisite hero fight with a possessed hero. Uh, The book revolves around Quasar's energy bands helping Lightmaster maintain his fragile state. Back in The Amazing Spider-Man 203, he could barely keep his molecules together. Um, After wasting half a book, the climax occurs when Quasar uses his powers to bring Lightmaster back to human form. Uh, An excited Everlansky is now glad to be human again and is promptly knocked out and apprehended by Quasar. Notable moment, the issue is bookended on either ends with panels that Quasar thinks Spider-Man is too undisciplined and frivolous, and Spider-Man thinks Quasar is a stuffed shirt uptight jerk. 
HB, you have allowed me to use one of my favorite phrases. Good job doing your job. (laughs) (laughs) That was good, James B. Uh, I I think that's a Bill Belichick, right? That's what someone told me one time. I know that straight (laughs) from his mouth. But uh, yeah, just to be clear here, too, at the end of the book, like Lightmaster has become a human again, and he seems pretty happy about it. And Spider-Man sucker punches him. And just knocks him out. And Quasar's like, what What are you doing? <laughs> and then Spider-Man like jumps through the window and leaves. And then Quasar like zooms past him. And some of the worst chemistry in a Marvel team up before and, there. And thank you for correcting me. It's Because I wasn't clear. It's Spider-Man walks in and punches him. And then Quasar just arrests him. Yes, that's clear. So maybe I'll get a, a better book. From February of 1982, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 114, featuring Spider-Man and the Falcon in The Heat in Harlem by DiMatteis, Chimp, and Esposito. This racially-themed story involves Nigerian Stoneface creating a vigilante group to protect New York from crime. I have to interrupt my own story here. These things are always so complicated that I, I, you can, I can hear as I'm emphasizing this. Look, guys, before I read you this summary... The whole point is that the group is like not exactly what they seem. So just pay attention to the details. Okay. (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson loves this group while Spider-Man is trying to determine why a group of street watchers who appear to be against crime would steal Aunt May's purse. So Eddie, at this point you think, okay, maybe they're bad because Spider-Man thinks you're bad, right? Right. right, Let's see what happens. Spider-Man threatens the organization at its headquarters, but the Falcon shows up announcing himself, and Spider-Man makes a joke that Red Wing is upset that he wasn't announced. The Falcon stops him, and an annoyed Spider-Man decides to forget all about this as the Falcon thinks maybe there might be something to Spider-Man's accusations. So basically they switch sides, like, oh, maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong. You know, they, they, yeah. Later they just apologize to each other for their actions. At this point, Eddie, I have no idea who's right and who's wrong. It's very confusing. In the end, here we go, it is revealed that... Some of the street watchers were actually nice kids, but the other ones were bad guys stopping fake crimes. The heroes and the good street watchers stopped the bad ones, and Spider-Man has lunch with the Falcon. Notable moment, after a police officer shouts, Spider-Man, he asks, why is everyone shouting his name when he shows up, and says between that and the accusations, it's very annoying. All right. All right. I really enjoyed you said that Spider-Man was um, thought that Falcons. Um, oh, what's his name? His sidekick. Red Wing. He thinks Red Wing's annoyed oh. that because he's like he the, didn't get Falcon announced. shows up. He's like, the Falcon is here. And he's like, why? Your yes. bird looks annoyed that you're not announcing him. Yes. And then he goes on to say, like, maybe I should have a sidekick too, Crawley the Wonder Spider. <laughs> and I was like, what a great idea. It's time for Spider-Man to have a spider sidekick. And then I was supposed to think of some other sidekick name, James B., but I forgot to think of some other sidekick names. Yeah, it says Spider-Man. in the note, you got the notes of the show notes, you have other names. I'm waiting for them. I'm like, it was where are at they? the bottom. So you see kind of a theme through many of these stories? A lot of uh, confusing identity, figuring out who's the bad guy and good guy constantly throughout. Yeah, I, I felt that too. There's just a lot of that going on. Now, again, the Magma story notwithstanding. Although, real quick for the Magma story, they're like, hey, go see what's going on at Stark Industries. They have a tremor sensing device. 
and then like a tremor occurs and they like what's going on which just not a very good tremor sensing device since it like rips off the side of its footings and tries to crush several people that iron man and spider-man have to save then so i think spider-man changes in a closet too that happens he, he dives into like a room yeah. closet and then just changes it. and then iron man comes flying and everyone's like oh these two guys get here how convenient no one's like where did you come from like always so <laughs> well one thing that uh we don't have to worry where it comes from and that's our sponsor because we know where tink bump toys comes from and eddie i know the tinkerer has gathered three marvel team of villains experts i mean sorry to help design the newest line of marvel team action figures for those who love toys Monster creator Baron Ludwig von Schupp. I haven't seen that guy in a while. <laughs> the Mad Thinker and Puppet Master have lent their expertise, busy creating toys, uh, to create the toys kids want to play with and collectors want to collect. This 14th set has three figures from the classic run of Herb Trip books and includes, of course, a premium figure as a fourth bonus figure. You ready, Eddie? Well, we recently saw the Tinker, and I approved a huge number of his toys in that issue. So, yeah, very much so. We've got, this is exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Especially good. the new. Pr- the, everyone says these are getting better and better all the time. We're expecting some heroes in this yeah. one. I've heard a rumor we might get two actual oh, superheroes, oh. like collectibles. Here we go. Oh, I hope. Uh, I hope he wasn't confused with identity. I'm a little worried now. All right. What well, we've got from Marvel Team Up 108, Coach Barnstorm. <laughs> Don't, don't you fail my students. Oh. Very collectible. From Marvel Team Up 112, Julak the Shaman. So he, this is a guy that can the cure mask, people. Right? Yeah, and he can cure people. Oh he does the God. poison. So He's just one of right. like 20 crazy people in that book. Okay. All right. Maybe the best to collect. From Marvel Team Up 109, is this Dazzler? Let me look. Oh, yeah. It's be great. it's actually in her bathrobe. It's Allison Blair. So it is the bathrobe wearing Allison Blair. Oh, man. I, all right. That's a hero. It's, but what? She's in her bathrobe. Come on. <laughs> but you could play with her like and be like, I'm going to change into Dazzler soon. Ooh, and then I could draw a picture of Dazzler and put it on like a popsicle stick and be like, okay, there she is. <laughs> Good idea, Eddie. And that's not even the premium figure in this set. Oh, oh. Eddie, from Marvel Team Up 114, it's Red Wing. Oh, he did need more attention, didn't he? Well, And he's getting it here as a premium figure in this 14th set. I think someone has already made a Falcon. There's no, there's nothing about Red Wing that says he's any different from any other Falcon. I'm suspicious. This is- I saw him screech in Spider-Man's face at one point today. But he doesn't have like little red claws or like a headband. He's just a falcon. They they could have taken a falcon from somewhere else. They need to they need to include some aspect that makes Red Wing unique to justify him. Eddie, I feel bad we didn't even have one of our segments last episode or this episode. So let's see if I can squeeze in a quick little segment here, the fast version of the newest hottest segment. That's right, called Does Eddie remember this character from the MCU? Here we go again. Well, oh, anything for our listeners' entertainment, of course. Eddie, talk to me about Red Wing in the MCU. Oh, boy. Red Wing in the MCU? If he's even in the MCU. Well, I certainly hope he is. He is not a bird. That I am sure of. He is a person, right? 
Eddie, Red Wing is a combat and reconnaissance drone. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcon just like like you know launches him like a little drone and does things with him. Darn. Thank, you for, thank you for playing this, Eddie. Remember this character from the MCU. <laughs> Yeah, he was a he was a Stark drone. So. <laughs> He's no, he wasn't a bird. I got fifty percent of that answer correct. <laughs> a failing grade. He, I don't think he has him until he's actually a member of the Avengers. Like I don't think he has it in the beginning. You know what I mean? So, all right. There you go. I'm way behind on my MCU movies. So, ah oh, boy. One of the things I was talking about earlier: the chemistry between Spider-Man and Quasar was so terrible. It was remarkable when Spider-Man was teamed up with Iron Man in 110, you know, to fight Magma, how stiff and boring Iron Man is. There is a good reason I'm not doing a podcast about Iron Man because, wow, come on, man, he's not funny. He like just kind of notes things and he's always like, sorry, if was I a little gruff with you, Spider-Man, come on, Iron Man, this is, this is Spider-Man. You're supposed to be like cracking jokes like the thing or something. Bad chemistry again. It's too bad. They should have loosened Iron Man up for that one. Well, Eddie, if people want to complain about this, how can they reach us? Uh, you can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or at letsreadspidey. Eddie, quickly, I got to squeeze in a couple things here. We've been getting some uh, comments on Twitter. Uh, I want to squeeze in a few of them. One is uh, our friend Patrick reached out to let us know he's going on a long road trip. And he's going to be listening to Let's Read Spider-Man along the way. All right. That's what I listen to a lot, too. Our new friend, Mr. Liberal, uh, wanted to let us know that he saw a Twitter post. I had shown the scene with Jay Jonah uh, telling people to eat the tuna, not the caviar. (laughs) He wanted to let us know that he believes this is the inspiration for where Sam Raimi has the uh, caviar in uh, Spider-Man 2. A couple references to it there. Remember, he says, like... Not to open the caviar yet, yes. you know, when the wedding is called off. And uh, and uh, Supreme Collector Nick discussed the value in Marvel team-up crossovers because we were getting into a discussion where he heard us talk about why they're doing all these crummy crossovers. And he said it makes the universe more connected. But he also wanted to point out that in the issue that we were talking about, which actually involved, I think, Captain America, he went and tried to follow the story back to the original books and realized it wasn't very connected <laughs> too well he wasn't connected very well in the first place so he says it wasn't a great example but he does like the connections that those things do so so glad thanks for listening and doing the research for us guys Jeez. and now it's time for the close i'm james b joined by eddie and remember listeners if you want to announce yourself when you arrive that's okay but if your friends show up don't shout their names because it's very annoying goodbye bye Don't worry, there's no questions on the brand, brand new movie. Whew. Although it's got characters in there that you should, you know, you got to see Kang in there. Oh. We've covered Kang, I believe. He's Spider-Man and Marvel team-up. Didn't he face Kang and travel through time and save worlds? Remember that? Or do you remember that? Very early on. Very early on. That was a long time ago, James B. Boy. Yeah.
and and nobody really ever thanks Spider-Man for saving the world. Like that was his, that was no. arguably his biggest accomplishment ever. I, I up to date. I'm always a little like Quasar like grabs um Lightmaster and flies him to the police station. Like like do the police know Quasar? And they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, this guy's a criminal. Let's he lock tra- him up." Was, he was transporting Nitro when he got interrupted. In the- He's not a menace. Be- because that's kind of my problem, like, a little bit with Spider-Man, too. Like, the police don't really trust Spider-Man. So, when, like, he, like, webs up the boss of the Watchers. Do the police, like, oh, yeah, Spider-Man, you know, we caught the criminal. Like, without any evidence? Is this guy just going to walk? Or is he going to go to prison and, you know, go to court? Since they've been, they've been, in our last podcast, there was a lot of, like, Matt Murdock defending someone in court. <laughs> <laughs>